What's up, Wolfpack? This is Failure to Stop Illegal Shift. We've got a big show for you tonight. It's probably the biggest show in Illegal Shift's long history. That's right. Episode six, the big episode. How about them Cowboys? The Cowboys won the East. We're looking at a whole bunch of dramatic playoff matchups coming up, including Tyreek Hill playing his beloved Chiefs. The Cowboys facing off against the Packers and Mike McCarthy's past. And the Bills and the Steelers and a whole bunch of other stuff. Let's do it. The growing calls across the nation to defund the... Defender was just overpowered. Illegal shift on the kicking team. That penalty is refused. First down. Guns up, giddy up, Wolfpack. This is Failure to Stop, Illegal Shift. Failure to Stop is the number one podcast and platform where police meet society and culture and we entertain and inform first responders and our friends. Joining me tonight, as always, is Firefighter Lieutenant Jason Kiefer. I'm John. I'm an active 911 dispatcher in the field tonight. We're going to talk a bunch of things in the world of football. There's so much news going on. Bill Belichick's long tenured dream career in New England came to an end today. You would think that would be the main thing that we were talking about or the Dallas Cowboys because they're America's team. But instead, we're going to talk about something much more interesting. And that, of course, is the Michigan Wolverines having an unbelievable and undefeated season. And to join us uh, is a special guest on the show. I can hardly do him any kind of justice, but I'm going to introduce him as Thomas Gwines. Uh, he's uh, one of Jason's friends, which is awesome, by the way. But uh, Thomas Gwines was uh, a uh, he w- played for the Wolverines um, back in the day, uh, back in 1996. Uh, he was uh, won a Big Ten title with them. Uh, he played uh, all the way till he played he played his first season before that, but his final season was 96, and he started all 12 games. Uh, he played played pro, and then he went to uh, the Arizona Cardinals, Edmonton Eskimos, and then he played for the Berlin Thunder in NFL Europe, where he won a World Bowl championship in 2001, which is a game in which he also allowed no sacks. Played in the Arena League. He uh, became a strength and conditioning coach. He's been a sheriff's deputy for about 18 years and is currently an SRO in his local agency. He appears on many shows, including Under the Winged Helmet and the Maison Blue Review. Also, the Big Ten Channel on Sirius XM. And of course, the bottom line with Thomas Gwines. But I've been told I should call him Train. So Train, how are you doing tonight? Thank you for joining us. Hey, John. Um, definitely happy to be here. Appreciate that warm and thorough intro. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking some shop with you guys, football, obviously, and whatever else is on the menu for this evening. Jason, why don't you uh, kick it off? All right. So uh, super, super excited. For this show, a we're going live, which I love. B getting my buddy train on, and we, we him and I are we're both in the uh, police and fire motorcycle club, and that's how I got to got to know Thomas slash train. He gives me the biggest hugs every time I see him, and he cracks every fucking bone in my body every time he fucking grabs me. But no, it, it was good. I reached out. I was like, you know what? The Wolverines won the national title, which hurts my soul being a Buckeye. But I'm like, you know what? I need my boy Train on this on this show, and the fact that we were able to do it live made it even better. So, Train, I appreciate you being on, my man. Hey, like I said, man, definitely appreciate you guys bringing me on. Super excited to be here and um, ready to delve into a litany of topics tonight, and we'll see where this conversation takes us. 
Yeah, let's so, start with let's start with Michigan, if you don't mind, Jason. Uh, first yeah. of all, probably the only other game that's more important than winning a national championship, and I guess this is up for you, Train, to decide. But you also beat Ohio State this year, the most important game of the year. So it seems like Michigan had a lot going against it at the start of the year. Coach Harbaugh serving two suspensions. The team seemed to rally to an undefeated season, which is amazing. And in that, like I said, that included the win over Ohio State. And they oh. went under the first championship since 1997 by beating the Huskies 34 to 13. And this was a game in which most ESPN college reporters said would go the other way. How are you feeling after watching the Wolverines take it all? Um, like I've been saying on a couple of different platforms, the beautiful thing about what took place this year was um, all the outside noise, all the distractions, all the naysayers, all of the negative press. You guys are cheaters. You guys are done this. You guys are going to that hey guess what we're going to take your head coach for the first three games oh by the way we're going to take your head coach for the last three games and obviously the most important three games with having to play the team from down south um but the beautiful thing about it was the amount of depth that we had not only as players but within our coaching staff when you go back in mike hart um coach Minner, and to finish up with coach moore who also served a suspension at some point in time during the earlier part of the season as well. So when you go back and especially look at what Coach Moore did those last three games of the season, as I've been saying time and time again, the lights were the brightest, the pressure was the highest, the expectations were the highest, um, the level of hateration, if you will, was the highest, hoping to see us fail. Um, and still to be able to come out on top against three very good teams, you know, respectfully, I give Buckeye fans a little bit of grief here and there. And again, Michigan, Ohio State, in my opinion, that game is what made the Big Ten the Big Ten. Yep. And Ohio State having had our number for like damn near a decade. And it was almost like, is this even a rivalry anymore? Coach Harbaugh comes in, finally gets the ship righted. Um, we beat the Buckeyes three years in a row. Now it's kind of like, okay, pressure's on with the Buckeyes. They now need to get whatever they need to get back right again. And now let's see if we can figure out if this is going to be the rivalry of old. When you and, go and, and look I, at the – go ahead. Uh, I, I will say it's – I mean, obviously being a Buckeye fan, but I can also appreciate sports and, and understand, you know, the adversity that that – the Wolverines were going through, you know, with Harbaugh and everything going on. And, and we're all looking at it, right? I mean, everybody, every pundit is looking at it and to see, I mean, to see what you guys did though. I mean, I can be a gracious Buckeye fan and say, they, they done did it. I mean, they did it and it hurts, but guess what? <laughs> we've, we, we've always got, we've got next year. We'll, you know, we'll figure out what, what our issues are now at this point, because I mean, Harbaugh, right getting beat by Ohio state as many times as he did, you know, he was on a chopping block multiple times. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to be said about that game. You know, they call it the game. And for as long as it's been a thing at both schools, I know O state's got a clock in their weight room or wherever they have it at in their facility, X amount of days, what have you to count down and play Michigan. Um, we, we've had certain sort of things that we do here in Ann Arbor 
that to to replicate that as well. But when it during my tenure in our full team meeting room, we had on our uh, on our season, it was you had the green and the red games. You had your whole season, but you had re- green and red games. The green games typically were uh, Notre Dame. The red game was Ohio State. And everybody asked you, did you beat Ohio State? You could have lost all the rest of the games, right? But everyone's <laughs> going to ask you, did you beat Ohio State? I know the game is of as big of importance down in Columbus. Anytime they beat us, they get the gold pair of pants that a lot of those guys like to wear um, as far as, you know, the maze pants that we wore. So there's a lot of there's a lot to this game. But when it's all said and done, going back to your original question as far as the the season as a whole, I just love the way this team has been very introspective. They turn inward. Um, They found a way to block out the the negativity, the white noise, if you will. And just really, you could see each player called upon himself and each player called upon his teammate. This is the expectation. This is what I need from you. I can't get it done without you. You can't get it done without me. And the level of brotherhood that these guys show. Again, some of these guys could have entered the draft and, and you know, found their fortunes in the NFL. But these guys stayed because they had unfinished business. There's nothing like getting a taste of success, but never getting to, to complete the meal. And that's what's happened the last two years prior. Um, we kind of get embarrassed against Georgia. We go play TCU in a game that we should have won. But I think mentally uh, we were counting our eggs before they before they were hatched based off our level of play. And so having gotten a taste of what it meant to be a national champion or, or getting close to it, but not really able to finish that meal meant something to a lot of these guys. And these guys really came out. It's like you would not you will not deny us. It's time to, it's time for the big dog to eat, so to speak. Yep. I, I was going to say that your- there's. There ahead, seemed John. to be sorry. There seemed to be you know a lot a lot of seniors. So it wasn't just that the the pressure of the the quote unquote scandal this year got people to rally together. That seems like that culture was already there because as you said, quite a few players could be right now getting ready for the NFL playoffs, but they decided uh, to stick around and 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 get it done in Michigan. I'm I'm curious how things are going to be changing uh, next year. The Big Ten's getting bigger. The playoff format's expanding. We don't know what Coach Harbaugh and some of his uh, assistant coaches will be doing. It's possible that there could be some sanctions from the NCAA. Like everything's getting different. And uh, to be honest, with the new format, Michigan may even be the last undefeated champs for a very long time. Right. With that in, with that in mind, do you feel like a window's closed, or do you feel like the program's strong and can continue next year, and you could expect a repeat? Or, or what are your expectations for the future? My expectations for the future is for us just to, to stay the course. Continue to recruit heavy. Take the guys, take the talent that we get in, develop it to the highest of of your ability as a coach. Continue to go out there and get really good quality um, guys as far as behaviorally, um, classroom, scholastically, right? There's a standard at the University of Michigan that we continue to try to uphold as far as not just being another, you know, a football school. With that all being said, we also understand the business of college football now. When you take in the transfer portals, NIL money, all of these different things that are now starting to come in, into play where a lot of the power is being taken away from these institutions 
and kind of being put back in the hands of the athlete themselves, which I think is a good thing. Um, again, my my college days were over in 1996, and you know we're, we're part of that that dying breed of the uh, purists, if you will, of college football. And that was a beautiful thing about college football. It was the pageantry. It was the regionalness of it all. You know, Michigan playing Washington in the Rose Bowl, Big Ten versus Pac-10 or Pac-12. When I won the Rose Bowl, we won the Big Ten championship. Guess who we played? It was Washington in the Rose Bowl. Yep. So now having traditional Pac-10 slash 12 teams now being part of the Big Ten, it's new landscape for us, right? Um, I believe Texas, if not already in the SEC, maybe coming to the SEC. There's just a lot of different moving pieces here. And unfortunately, because of these things, I'm not a big fan of all of this moving around. First reason where I don't think a lot of people really gave a lot of thought to, imagine you're on the West Coast and you have to come to the East Coast to play a game Yeah, consistently, absolutely. right? What What is this doing to these players reference um, all of this travel where it used to be kind of sort of a regional thing. You know, if you had a the, the preseason games or whatever, you may take a trip or, or so, but there are some things that I think that are almost to the detriment of the student athlete based off of travel, obviously the physicality of the game. And guess what? You still got classes. So make all of these things make sense. You speak on the NIL aspect of it. Yeah. Should guys be getting paid? Um, I'll tell you guys right now, when Sega Genesis in the 90s came out with NCAA, the, the football game, their version of Madden, if you will, right? I was on that game. Like, literally, our whole offensive line was on that on that game. Never saw a red cent. <laughs> Didn't <Yeah>. get eight. <laughs> right? So, if, you, if your name was Charles Woodson and you had that number two Michigan jersey, even if you didn't have Woodson across the back, if it was a blue jersey with a maze number two, we all knew who that was about. Right, exactly, right? And so you look at the uh, insane amount of monies these institutions are making off the literally the backs of these kids, football and basketball, and um, depending on what your, your, your schools are as far as your, your revenue generating sports. I've always said this. If you looked at what it costs to room board, books, all of that, reference a full ride scholarship, let's just say five years. And per, let's say you got a hundred guys on the team and you look at the end of one season and I'll just say Michigan, we have a hundred and eleven thousand seat venue. Let's just use easy numbers. 50 bucks a ticket, just ticket sales. We're not talking licensing and TV parking and concessions. All, but we're just talking ticket sales. How much money is that? Right. I suck at math, so I'm not going to give you yeah. an answer, but I'm not my, either. <laughs> right. My, 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 I'm a dumb point, exactly. My <laughs> point being is, is that at the end of the day, there's not an even exchange of, of service. Right. Well, you guys got your, your education paid for. No, I paid for my education. I just did mine with blood, sweat and tears where, yeah. you know, some of you guys had daddy write a check or you're taking out school loans or you're working two, three jobs to get it done. Right. Yeah. But there was still an exchange of commerce that took place there. So um, it's just an interesting time. It's a dynamic time in college football, because to really 
try to prophesize what's going to happen next year, I don't think anybody has a clear enough crystal ball to figure this out just yet. Where, I, where, I, where do you where do you think in in your heart of hearts where do you think Harbaugh lands after after as he, this season? And impressive. so could be New England, of, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Carolina, Seattle, Tennessee, Washington, not and, Chicago, but also Michigan. And that's there, where I was leaving. Yeah, there's two sides of that coin, right? Why leave, right? What's what's the the model that we have now? Who has it better than us? Nobody. Why leave? Right. But you've played in the NFL. You've coached in the NFL at a high level, coached in a Super Bowl, but you didn't win. As far as your coaching resume, that's the one box left unchecked. You've officially cemented your legacy as a coach at the University of Michigan. You officially um, have removed yourself from the shadow of Coach Bo Schembechler by going undefeated 15 and 0 winning the national championship three-time big 10 champion you your legacy here in michigan is firmly cemented do you now you got more money than god so yeah. it's not about the money right so do you now test the waters again looking for a new challenge going to the nfl and seeing if you can recreate that magic you had with the 49ers and this time actually getting the job done. So with that being said, I don't know. It's because tough. I, I it's mean, a win-win individually for the person, for the man. It's a win-win for Coach Harbaugh. You stay, okay, we're good to go. I, I know what we're working with. Um, but the other piece is this and that a lot of people don't talk about is I'm wondering what's taking place with the with the administration. And so what I mean by that is this. Even during the press conference at the national championship game, Jimmy continued to talk about revenue sharing with the players. When you start messing with the church's money, the pulpit gets upset. Yep. Big Ten commissioners, NCAA, anybody of the old regime or the old um, administration that has been making money hand over fist for decades now, all of a sudden, you telling me I got to start paying uh, 17, 20-year-old kids whatever amounts of money, you're messing with the church's money, which then firmly puts you in the crosshairs of said administration. So now, as a university, and I'm saying all of this hypothetically, I don't know any, I have no inside information, but as a university, does a university say, well, Jimmy, it's, it's been a really good run, and if you decide to go, hey, we're we're behind you leaving. Why? Because Jimmy is a lightning rod for the university. There's a, there's going to be a lot of negative attention that, that he brings upon himself. Good, bad, or indifferent, depending on how you feel. On the flip side of it, does the university say, hey, you're our guy. We're sticking with you. Matter of fact, here's some extra, some, some more zeros to put behind that whole number. Right. And uh, you're you're going to be thoroughly compensated for everything in which you've done and for everything that we think you're going to continue to do. So it, it just kind of depends on um, what side of the coin is the shiniest, I guess. But yeah. as, as I said before, it's a win win all the way around as far as Coach Harbaugh goes. 
The other piece is, is that if he leaves, I still think we're in good hands. Now, I jump in the gun, maybe. I I would I would think Coach Sharon Moore would be a shoe in for the head coaching spot. I don't even think you open up um any any sort of uh coaching opportunities for someone else to come in. Why would you? Right. I think you got a guy that has proven himself. And this is the other thing that some people may not realize. I don't know if you know or not, but when's the last time you ever seen a head coach do triple duty? O-line coach, offensive coordinator, head coach. Yeah. And win. No, and win. And that's that that's a great point. And and I agree with you in the fact that yeah, it is a win-win either way. Um looking at it from a 10,000 foot view, you know, the amount of scrutiny that he that Harbaugh's under with the NCAA, why would you not say, "All right, fuck it, I'm going to the NFL." I don't want to leave my I don't want to leave my team, but right. I'm going to go ahead and go try to check that other box that I'm missing. So I completely right. agree with that, but but yeah, I mean he he's kind of in a he's in the driver's seat to figure out. I mean, he, he's a he's a national title winner. Right. Winning winning head coach. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's got every opportunity that he wants, really. Yeah, so it's it's going to be huge. And like I said, this is what's crazy about <clears throat> gentlemen, I don't think a lot of people understand the era that we are in the uh, the history the history making aspect of things that are now taking place this is going to be a great book but it's being written in our lifetime the narrative is dynamic and it's ever changing and we're here to live that this is not going to be something where you know, it's it's after the fact for us. No, we're right here smack dab in the middle of it. So all of the things that are taking place right now, like I said, man, it's, it's just an exciting time. For some people, it may be a little nerve wracking. But at the end of the day, um, I'm just looking forward to see good college football. I love the pageantry. I, I love the passion. Um, I definitely I, I don't like watching pro football. It's boring to me. Um, to go out there and watch these young men go out there and lay it on the line for the name across the back for whatever university that they're representing and, and, and their teammates. Dude, it's one of the sexiest things ever for me because of the fact that it's pure still. Yeah. You know, you obviously you got some guys that are out there selfish that everyone wants to go to the NFL, right? But I've been playing football since I was nine years old. My dad played pro football for the Philadelphia Eagles back in the seventies, the higher up the ladder you go, the more of a business it becomes. And depending on where you're at geographically, like I can only imagine what it's like being in high school and playing football in the state of Texas. Hell, even in the state of Ohio, I know you guys get after it, you know, really hard as well. Pennsylvania, Florida. So um, the higher up that ladder you go, the more business like it becomes. But, People fail to realize, ladies and gentlemen, this is still a game. It's a game that kids play. You know, um, you're just fortunate. Of, you're fortunate enough to get a bunch of zeros behind your on your right, page. Exactly. Yeah, to, to play a kid's game. Right. You know, people. When I was in the league, people would ask me, like, "Dude, what's it like being in the NFL?" I'm like, bro, it's a job. The same way you get up and go to work in the morning is the same way I get up. I got up. 
I went down to the facility, got you a quick bite to eat. You have full team meetings. Then you have individual meetings. Then you go to practice. After practice, you work out. After the workout, you had individual meetings again. And then you grab something to eat and your day was over. But by that time, you've been there since 7 a.m. And you're going home at 5. And that's you know, and that's so. I was going to lead you in, in into that a little bit, just you know, kind of given the what what the pro life's like. But to your point with college versus professional, so like I love college football. I I still I still do enjoy watching pro football, college basketball. I love NBA. Mm-hmm. I could take it or Box leave City. it because Box it's City. it's completely different. I mean these guys these guys are trying to get into the NBA, and I get it. And and they're they're playing their asses off, and then they get in the NBA, and then it's it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not a basketball dude. I was I took part in another real sport. I was a wrestler, but um, all that being said, <laughs> there's something to be said when when you have been able to establish generational wealth. When you start looking at and. Let's remember, ladies and gentlemen, football is still the only sport where we don't have guaranteed contracts. So baseball, hockey, basketball, these guys are out here, you know, making nine, seven, eight, nine figure deals. Right. And and making goo gobs of money. Where's your motivation? If you're right. not a Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan esque type guy, if that's not your thing, then, hey, I'm just going to go out here and play, do my thing. But guess what? I'm collecting that paycheck every other week or however, you know, their pay structure is. So I would even venture to say the college game is still tougher than the pro game. Well, how can you say that, Thomas? Got to go to class. You got winter conditioning. You got spring ball. um, You got summer conditioning. You have training camp. You have the season. You got bowl conditioning. And then you have the bowl game, you get a little bit of a break, and then guess what? You start that back over again. Rinse, rinse, wash, repeat. Exactly. I got when I got to Michigan, I was only 17. So imagine the the psychological, not just the physiological, but the psychological um, struggle that is. You know, you're still a kid, you just got out of high school. And even though, you know, all of us that are able to play on that D1 level bring a high level of athleticism. There's something different when you come on that campus as a freshman, especially as a lineman, and you're going up against, you know, four fifth-year seniors, and you hit for the first time. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go lift some more weights <laughs> because it's a little bit different out here, right? <laughs> and then when you – if you're fortunate enough to go play at the next level, you're playing against grown-ass men, bro. <laughs> I remember I was playing with the Cardinals and I'm playing right tackle and we're playing the Vikings in Arizona and John Randall's playing at the three technique. Oh man. And you guys are old enough to remember John Randall and he's oh, just absolutely. going off. He's going off on a nut because I was a rookie young guy and he's just giving <laughs> me the business. You know, I go out there, I do my thing, I hold my own. We even score a touchdown on that play. And I'm like in my head, I'm like, yeah, I belong here, right? But all that to say. There's definitely a difference between you being 22, 23, coming out of college, playing against a 30-year-old, a 35-year-old, grown-ass man with kids, mortgages to pay, alimony, 
child support, all these <laughs> other things that are in play right now <laughs> that are right that are adult esque sort of problems. Yeah. But I'm just out here playing the game, and I'm just happy to be here, right? So, yeah. like I said, man, there's there's a lot of levels to this, but um, I definitely wouldn't change any of it for the world. I, I had a great run, had a great ride, got to see a lot of things, met a lot of great people, and you know, gave me an opportunity to be worthy enough to be on this show tonight. What uh, what what brought you? All right, so you you, you have your football career. Yep. What made you go into law enforcement? That's, so I, I've, when I, I've never asked you this question. So. When I was in college, um, part of my major, I was a kinesiology major, movement science. thought I was going to go into sports medicine. Okay, that didn't work out. But um, I had to do an internship, and I did it at a ad firm. And I learned real quick, my personality did not work well within a corporate environment. I'm not a cubicle guy. I hate getting dressed up and putting dress clothes on. So from there, uh, what else could I get into? I'm like, okay, law enforcement, I consider myself to be a relatively intelligent individual, but I'm still an adrenaline junkie. I ride motorcycles. I enjoy good, good dust up. Um, I like my guns and I like to drive fast. So law enforcement really felt like a, uh, a natural fit for me. When I got done playing ball, I came back to the University of Michigan. I was a assistant, grad assistant strength conditioning coach with U of M working with football and basketball. I was like, eh, this is getting boring. There's only so many ways you can lift the weight, right? So my boss, who was my former coach and Mike Gittleson, knew the then sheriff. And um, we had a couple of other Michigan guys who were several years older than me that worked at, a, at our sheriff's office. Had a conversation. Mike set it up. Had a conversation with the sheriff. She said, hey, put yourself through the police academy. And uh, upon doing so, you'll have a job waiting for you. And true to his word, graduate, start my career um, at my current agency. And that was a weird thing as well because I had a five-year plan. I wanted to do five years, kind of get my feet wet, feet wet, understand, understand what it was about being in law enforcement because I wanted to go fed. I wanted to be a U.S. Marshal. Well, the opening came up. I put in for it, did everything I was supposed to do, lost like. 65, 70 pounds in six months because I had to make this mile and a half time. Uh, finally get through everything, background checks, passed my physical, finally passed my mile and a half, good to go. About a week or two later, I get a letter in the mail stating that the announcement that everybody came under was improper and they dropped everyone and you had to reapply. Oh, oh shit. Man. And from that, I turned 37 and I aged out. I was probably <laughs> clinically depressed for about a year and a half. Oh, man. So, but um, with that being said, I try to make sure it's it's always half full with that um, causing me to stay here because I was probably going to end up down in Georgia. Um, I met my wife, um, doing some good things right now. Um, still been able to have a lot of great people around me, so. Uh, my career has been pretty good thus far as a school resource officer. I love hanging out with my kids. I love being on campus and just ensuring the the safety of all those people that, you know, who are my charges at this particular point. Now with um, all the chicanery and tomfoolery that takes place in schools, I yeah. kind of feel like, yeah, I, I really am the sheepdog. And sometimes the danger is from within if you have a deranged student. But a majority of the time, if it's a situation where something – external is trying to 
to attack my campus. I'm that guy that you got to get through. So all of these things kind of go hand in hand as an offensive big motherfucker to get through, by the way. Hey, hey, look, I still got a good first step too. Michael Michael Hendricks said in in the chats, he said, can you imagine being a criminal and thinking you're hot shit and this dude shows up on the call? (laughs) (laughs) I got a funny story for that one too. But um, all that to be said is that, you know, you really are the sheepdog. And uh, I know in law enforcement, that term kind of gets thrown around at nauseum. But when you're dealing with kids and trying to make sure that these kids are A, safe, um, B, you're able to pour into them. Some of these kids are coming from, you know, like really crappy home lives or um, living situations. And they don't really have much of a chance, but hopefully... You know, you, you drop some some wisdom on them that kind of sticks with them and hopefully keeps them on the right path. Hopefully, you know, motivates them to get to where they want to be at. That's the real uh, satisfaction I get out of the job. I can't tell you how many kids who have graduated. Hey, Deputy Gwines, you know, um, I remember you from blah, blah, blah. Or we had this conversation and, you know, these kids are actually doing pretty well for themselves. So that's the highlight of being a school resource officer. Oh, about that story I had for you before I went into the schools still on the road. We're dealing with a disturbance. One of my guys is calling for backup. I show up on the scene and uh, the fight is already taking place. And um, the suspect turns around, looks at me, looks back at my guy. And he says, well, shit, if this motherfucker was here at, at the beginning, we would have never went through all of that. So that's kind of been a running joke. <laughs> You, you are you are what what I call when I describe you to my buddies and whatever. I'm like he's he's the biggest gentle giant you'll ever meet, the nicest guy in the world, and <laughs> what well, the crazy in, thing imitating his shit. <laughs> but the the crazy thing about nice guys is this, especially large nice guys. Sometimes to our detriment, we have super long fuses. Now, if you get to the end of the fuse, cancel Christmas. Yeah. Okay. So take it for what it is. Allow us to be who we are. Don't put us in positions to let you see the uh, the hide aspect um, from the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde aspect of it all. And truly, that's not who I am. I've never been a bully. I've always been a protector. Like I said, you know, playing offensive line, getting into law enforcement, all of these different things. Um, I was that guy in school that if I saw a bully, um, yeah, we had to go have a conversation because that's it's not cool, right? I mean, for what? So I, I've never been that guy. And I truly just enjoy just having a good time. You know, Kiefer, you, you spoke about the bourbons and the cigars and all of that. Dude, as I'll be 50 this year, that's all I want to do. I just want to drink good bourbon, smoke a good cigar, on a uh, take a, a, a nice, flat, smooth, windy road if you will on the bike yeah. and, and just enjoy life bro because uh we see too much i mean yeah. i know john you and said it, you're a dispatcher and it's short yeah and it's short right it's it's that start date and that end date are cool but it's that dash in between those two numbers and yeah. however long or short that is you need to make sure that while you're on that dash that you lived it to the fullest because we only get one time around the track. There are no do-overs. Yeah. And John, and and John, I know, I mean, we, you and I have talked multiple, multiple times, you know, the stuff that you're hearing, you know, on the other end of the line, 
where you're you're sending Tom or you're sending me or you know you're sending people out. We're not hearing what you're hearing. So yeah, I mean it's life is short, and you have to try to enjoy it as best you can. And with this show, I feel you know sports sports gives us something else to focus on, to where we can decompress out of the job. Mm-hmm. And whether people want to want to hear our, our opinions or not, they tune in or they don't. But you know, I'm not a Michigan fan, but I respect you, and we can do that. And that's sure. that's the way you know those sporting events, going out and and watching games with with your buddies or, or whatever. That that's a way to you know get you out of the job at least for three hours. And I think I, that's I, the other piece too is is just really understanding the mental health aspect of it all. I, I know mental health has kind of been a buzzword for the last couple of years, but especially within our jobs as dispatchers, law enforcement, fire, obviously our veterans, the stuff that we see and we deal with aren't natural. Yeah. You know, you're seeing GSWs, you're seeing dead babies, you know, you're, you're, you're going and seeing people during, you know, some of the worst times of their lives. Um, I've seen, disemboweled bodies uh yeah. people heads almost you know ripped off car accidents type stuff um obviously the violent aspect of things from stabbings to gsws and things of that nature and so when you start to let all of that those what i call micro traumas start to accumulate i've always said it like this if you're if you are a combat veteran you got your stress inoculation, your huge shit sandwich right then and there. It was, there you go, buddy. Take that. And you're three, four years of deployment for a lot of our combat veterans. And then you come home and you're expected to deal with it. For us, it's like eating ground up glass in your food. Every day is not a firefight. Every day is not necessarily a bad day. But within those tours of duty, you are going to come across that really bad car accident where a baby dies. You're going to come across where, you know, the mom put her kid in the microwave. You're going to come across the two shitheads that were shooting back and forth at each other and missed and hit Becky on the tricycle, right? You're going to go into that burning house and for whatever reason, because of carbon monoxide poisoning, nobody made it out. And you got to pull those bodies out. Those are what I call micro traumas and as egregious as those events sound for us because of the fact that i've been on the job 18 years now i'm not sure how long you guys been doing it but obviously long enough where that almost becomes normal that's like a normal piece of existence for us and it's not i can definitely tell you i'm not the same person i was before i got on the job Absolutely. So understanding what it means to protect your mental health and being man or woman enough to say, I need help. Um, I love this platform. Yeah, I've seen a therapist. Um, I saw some stuff, went through some things, and I started to notice that I was living. I wasn't living. I was existing in a really screwed up state of mind. And the best way I could. uh express it was I was like a Ferrari and my my tack was always in the red. What happens if it stays there? You blow your motor, right? You blow. You blow, right? And I was 
getting close to to that point and talked to my lieutenant and you know she was like hey i know a guy put me in contact with a guy and uh had some good sessions and kind of brought some things into perspective you know from a law enforcement standpoint of things everybody's a shithead right there's there's danger at every corner and so um i was living in a world of likelihoods and possibilities there's a possibility that i can get struck by lightning right now but it's you know way off the the scale that way and comparatively i was living in a world of likelihood that everything was was a danger and i don't say this not to have a sense of vigilance but i was at a point of hyper vigilance based off the job itself which was causing me to you know not live i was existing because like i said i was on guard 24 7 and uh you know we talk about ways to decompress one particular day one particular event that i had to go deal with was kind of sort of the straw that broke my back so to speak i went to the gym and i was in the gym for three hours and when i tell you i lifted everything in that gym as heavy as i could and i still felt like shit when i came out <laughs> i knew it was time for me to figure out something because lifting weights for me was always my coping mechanism. Yeah. And when that coping mechanism, right. It's therapeutic. It, it allows me to emote in a physical fashion and it was a sense of catharsis for me. Kiefer, uh, I said catharsis, that's a Michigan word, but anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> all that but to it, be said, bro, <laughs> all that to be said, like, um, uh, mental health is key, especially within our job, making sure that we're not bringing this shit home to our families. Um, and also trying to make sure that we're not allowing these stressors to take years off of our lives. Yeah. And I think that helps. I mean, that helps me like doing this show. I'm watching sports anyway. And we, you know, we, we got this sports show up and up and off the ground. This is therapeutic for me to just sit here and talk with John. You know, we've, we've got you on, you know, tonight we have, uh, you know, Jake motherfucker welder who's, who's on with us to, to be able to converse and talk sports and just leave everything outside of this room that I'm sitting in right now mm-hmm. and just do that. Uh, and I, you know, I do the, uh, one more and I'm out of here podcast too. I love it. Cause it's, it's just, it gives you something else to right. focus on. So I, know, I think this is, this is to me, this is perfect therapy. I mean, I go to, I see a therapist occasionally, and but this is therapy for me to be able right. to converse and you know, like-minded people, and we you know, we sit here and talk sports. But I know John, you had a question. You had a question about offensive linemen. I I do. I'd love to get that to that. But yeah. I mean, we've been we've been talking about so many more important things than I could have ever planned for. First of all, I just wanted to to echo both of you, Jason. I mean, I've been doing this show for a little over a year, and like my stress management is way better, which is way better for police officers and firefighters because I'm so much less hostile now. Right. I, have, I have seriously there's relaxed. nothing there's nothing like a pissed off dispatcher uh I've, I've been told apparently i have the power to ruin your day and i never knew i had that but yeah uh, yes you do uh, Copy. Um, <laughs> I, I i wonder sometimes how powerful that could be uh but i i am getting better with my hostility but um i really also appreciate what you're saying about uh talking about the way that football built you from the ground up to be an excellent protector, police officer, sheepdog. And you talked about how you've been doing that since age nine. This is 
kind of way off uh, the beaten path for what I had intended tonight. But and I don't know if this will come come to pass, but you know, football has has taught you a lot about about life. I, I can tell that it has uh, based on you just talking about the purity of the game, what it means to play a college football, and how it shaped you. California is now talking about uh, possibly banning yeah. tackle football for for kids under twelve. You know, yeah. what does that mean for for our next generation of young men who are going to be instilled with the the kind of values that you had from age nine? Are you concerned that you know it could be we could be doing it from age twelve to going up to well we're not going to let them do it till they're in middle school and you know we could even say that you know until you're eighteen you can't be engaging this uh, you know the schools of course are are controlled by the state and the state the state hypothetically has the power to to stop that what do you think about uh, about tackle football being done away with um you guys ready to go down a rabbit hole if you want to and if you don't want to I'll withdraw the question it's really up to you. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute. Go ahead. Um, I am of the belief that whatever the powers that be are, are looking for more ways to demasculate, emasculate men. There's something to be said about um, the game of football. I'm guessing both of you guys saw the movie 300. Mm-hmm. Of course we did. Yes. Okay. Uh, I used to live that life as a correctional officer. So <laughs> Roger that <laughs> I, my, my dad was a CEO too. So um, I definitely understand that. Um, I bring the movie up because there's a part at the beginning part of the movie where they talk about, they took the young boys, six, seven years old. And they took them. I, I believe it's called the probably pronouncing it around the pierogi or whatever it was called, but it was basically a time away from mom in order to groom you into what it meant to be a man within the culture right wrong or indifferent that's right this is spata love it (laughs) um but all that to be said upon leaving that you were now considered to be a part of that culture and society and a viable member because you have you have uh cultivated a skill set that was going to be viable for the survival of, of that culture and environment. Youth football, obviously we're not in ancient Greece, but the youth football aspect of things, in my opinion, because there is a level of hardship in the game of football, it's a gladiatorial sport. If you go back to the baby boomers and the time after them and you look at high school PE, what were young men doing? What were we building? Right? Obviously, health and fitness is great, but we were building warriors because of the fact of we thought there were still going to be war against the Soviet Union. And so what better way to make sure that we were able to have a strong standing military than to make sure that our young men and our young women were uh, conducting themselves in some level of physical activity, ensuring that if that time did come, that you know we had some viable options as far as those that volunteered and or drafting situations. Working in schools now and the kids that I see and their overall physical fitness, mental toughness, um, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's not what it used to be. Soft. Uh, I need a safe space or 
all of these different things that have now come into play that is based upon feelings and everything else, um, not necessarily conducive into ensuring that we are still creating physically and mentally strong individuals, both men and women. Um, I think the, to take away youth football, it would be a travesty. Well, and then you'll hear the the other pundits, well, the whole CTE thing. Everybody drives a car. Yeah. When you drive a car, there's still a huge possibility of you dying. Your fault, somebody else's fault, a deer, black ice, whatever the case may be. Nobody stops driving the car, right? We right. all got to get to where we need to get to. I'm all for protecting children. I'm for greater technology within our protective gear. I'm for better coaching, making sure um, the heads up program that was taking place in youth football, making sure that we have proper coaches teaching proper techniques to ensure the overall safety of our kids. I did not partially, but um, I was reading a study where they were saying you actually found more concussions in soccer than you did quote unquote contact sports. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that the Republic of California decided <laughs> to do something like that. Um, you know, it is what it is. I think that both sides should be able to argue their viewpoints, but again, I think that's a decision that should be left up to the parents and not the state. Again, we're I, having uh, too much state involved involvement into what's being taught in our schools. Hey, I'm all for love who you love and everything else. But when it comes to certain adult topics that are now being taught about or pushed upon, you know, elementary, middle school kids, I kind of need to draw the line there. Yeah. Um, again, that does not, this statement does not come from a place of hate. It comes from a place of love in the sense of let kids be kids. They'll figure it out. I figured Absolutely. it out. You figured it out. Those who chose to live an alternative lifestyle have figured it out. And right. again, live your life, be happy. But at the same point in time, when you start talking about the pushing of certain agendas, either way, you know, I can sit here and talk about, uh, the rewriting of history and, and taking certain parts of history and omitting those from the history book. I'm a huge fan of right, wrong, or indifferent, tell the truth. And when you tell the truth, that allows me to make an informed decision on how I wish to move. And as long as you're giving me the truth, I can't be mad at you for giving me truth, right? No, uh, history is here for you to learn from. It's not for, not here for you to to love or to hate or anything else. It's it's just for learning. And and case in point, you talk about. Uh, I just have to touch on this because I'm a bit of a history buff. Mm -hmm. But it, it, in 1905, 19 college players died playing football. They called that season the Death Harvest. There were hundreds of others that were injured to the point where this country in 1905 was talking about uh, banning football. This was long before the NFL was a thing. The professional game right. was seen as a joke. And it was Theodore Roosevelt himself, someone who overcame physical adversity as mm -hmm. a child, someone who was yes, sick, sir. 
And he, he grew up uh, to be mentally and physically strong, strong body, strong mind. He's the one that uh, helped form the NCAA to reform and preserve football, uh, mostly for the reasons you mentioned, so that we would have a body of young men in this country who were physically fit, who would be uh, able to take orders, to be strategically minded, to be strong, to be organized, to have a selfless uh, mentality. Everything that goes into uh, waging a, a campaign to to win a national title goes into uh, the same kind of grit and determination and preparation and selflessness that goes into winning a war. So for sure well over a hundred years, the leaders of this country have recognized football as something integral to the, to our culture, not only in a popular sense in that we enjoy watching football, but it's important to men. And I, I think it's extremely dangerous. So history bears out what you're talking about. It's been something that we have uh, long since forgotten about, but uh, that that's part of the reason why football started and why it, why it has stayed so long and and we're getting away from that. It goes back to, in my opinion, you know, that misnomer of toxic masculinity. Um, either you're a dick or you're not. Right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't think there's toxic masculinity. You're just an asshole or you're not. You can never be too much of a man. Um, I firmly believe that between the two sexes, we both have very important and equal standing. We just have different jobs, if that makes sense. I, and yeah, our job right. as, as, as men is important and just as important as our job for the ladies to go out there and do their thing to the best of their ability. But when you start to strip away the attributes of either one, I firmly start to believe that you start to strip away what really the, the the cultural fabric of what makes this nation great. Yeah. When absolutely. you start to talk absolutely. When you start talking about the middle class, right? What separates us from a lot of different other countries is the fact that we have a middle class. Yeah. It's right. It, and, it's and the main again, thing. It, exactly. You know, other countries may be quote unquote doing it better, test scores, things of that nature, blah, blah, blah. But I've had the ability to travel abroad and go see some things on, on some grandiose scales. Everybody still wants to come here. They do. And, and for, I don't, I don't I, hear about people trying to go to Finland or yeah, other places. I was, Every, I was going to mention those exact, those exact countries, the ones with the very high test scores, Finland, Norway, Sweden, also some countries with the highest suicide rates. So they have, they have cultural <laughs> rot and cultural problems of their own. I mean, right. good for them for mastering academia, but, but, they don't necessarily have what we have. And, and a lot of people, you could just say people in California would point to uh, as Europe as their model, particularly as California becomes more of a European model. So I think they're right. exactly right. Uh, we could talk about uh, Michigan winning the game. Uh, I think that's exciting. Uh, I, I do appreciate that we dove into deeper topics. Th this conversation has been hugely gratifying, but I also great. just wanted to, to hear you just, you know, talk up the Wolverines. Uh, the Huskies, so, you know, seemed like they were in there until the third quarter. The statistics and watching the game were kind of two different things. They had right. no huge game-changing plays, but then Michigan kicked it into high gear, and their defense kept Washington from catching up. What was it like for you to watch that game and to watch you, your team and come in and win the national championship? It was just a, uh, it was just a proud moment. You know, I've been down to the football building, met a lot of these kids. And uh, I'm just proud of those guys. It was a little nerve-wracking 
you know. Um, but again, that's the fun part about college football, right? Because you get so invested in these young men. And you, you just want, obviously, bragging rights where I can sit over here and bust Kiefer's chops. But uh, I'll keep it professional. And uh, You're all good, my man. <laughs> all good, brother. But all that to be said, man, it was just, you know, like I said, I was, I was just happy to see the boys win. I was excited. Again, like I said, two national championships in my lifetime. I, I missed winning one of my own by a year, but yeah. fortunate enough to be playing at the next level. But having played with those guys on the 97 team, 97 team, I know what those guys were all about. I feel like I had a, a, a little bit of, uh, of a piece of that, if you will. And then it's seeing this uh, 144th iteration of Michigan football go out there and, like I said, do the job that they did this year. I can't do nothing but, but salute these guys. And again, we're talking about football. What happens as a young man, as you as you leave college, go to the next level or you start your life and you start having some sort of adversity? You know, you lose your job, sickness, um, divorce, whatever the case may be. Because of the game of football, you have at least gone through some sort of crucible, if you will, as to say, this is what it's like, right? You didn't die then. You're not going to die now. Figure out a way to fix it, man up, and go get it done. Now, asking for help, uh, seeking other avenues to fix whatever needs to be fixed, 100% good with that. But you have at least had some level of stress inoculation that whatever that you're having to face right now is not going to be a crippling moment for you in your life. And these are some of the lessons that I think the great game of football offers a lot of our young men and sport in general, right? I, I say football is the greatest team sport ever created. Basketball, if you got a Jordan, you got a Magic, you got a LeBron, whatever the case may be, that one that one guy can literally turn the tide of a game. Yeah. Football, not so much. I played with a Tom Brady. If Tom Brady isn't protected, Tom Brady doesn't have enough time to get the pass off to where he needs to be in order for us to win the game, right? So everybody's got to be, you know, in lockstep, making sure, you know, we're we're all of one mind of, of what the mission is. I wanted to and, ask you, I, I did want to yeah. ask you with, with you playing with Tom Brady, like what was that like when you were playing Tom, with him? It wasn't that wasn't Tom. That wasn't the Tom that you guys all know. Right. 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 And and that's why I'm curious. Yeah. Tom was in my recollection, I think I only played one or two years with him. Um quiet enough kid, at least um as far as I was concerned. Again, I was an upperclassman at the time. So I just knew he had a had a good arm. Wasn't necessarily the, the most fleet of foot or the best quote-unquote athlete that I've ever seen at the quarterback position. But again, the metamorphosis that took place when he went to New England and being under Coach Belichick is huge, right? Imagine, again, we're talking about the game of football. What did that do? You were a seventh-round pick. Probably ran the slowest 40 time in combine history. (laughs) And now you are being touted as the GOAT of the NFL. 
can't tell me that Tom Brady didn't go through some level of adversity, right? right? Um, even in his personal life, having the the, the divorce from um, Giselle, as perfect as things look to outsiders, there's always always a chance, and usually is some level of turmoil that's taking place on the inside that a lot of us will never know about. Right. And if you have not been given the coping skills to deal with those things, those mo- those molehills really can become mountains and become crippling situations. And like I said before, that's the one thing that I think what's happening or what's wrong with this current manifestation of our culture, especially with our young people, is they don't have any coping skills. Yep. Now I'm you sure you. I'm sure you see that every day, interacting with kids that, as an SRO, oh, that kids aren't having it's, that. It's um, it's almost mind numbing, and um, all I can continue to try to do is just try to put my best foot forward, and to continue to try to pour into these young people. And again, when they graduate and they go out there and they really start figuring it out, and I see them after graduation and they're doing well, like I said, that's better than any paycheck I've ever gotten is to see my kids be successful. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on front street. Just, just a touch one of our, one of our list listeners, watchers, Will Cray started a failure to stop fitness Facebook page. And Will Cray was like, Hey, this is a great time to, to promote that. So what I'm going to tell Will Cray is that you are now the new fitness instructor for the fair to stop fitness page and he's going to have to do everything that you do yeah well i want to see you looking like train which you're going to have to add about a whole like two feet to your height but i want to see you getting there well we'll we'll crazy about a five five six about a hundred and fifty pound ginger that that is starting to work out again and i can't wait He's uh, he's got he's got legs like a fire hydrant though he's 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 built he's just he's real stocky he's uh, I don't think I could knock him over to be honest with you. Hey, well I I, I will say this, Will, we're not going to do a lot of running. Um, <laughs> we're going to go pick things up and put things out because that's what I'm good at. We're going to do a little cycling, um, get the heart rate up, get the blood flowing. But afterwards, we're just going to go lift some heavy weights and. Um, we're going to look at ourselves in the mirror a little bit, make sure everything's where it's supposed to be at and, uh, we're going to hydrate and we're going to go home and enjoy the rest of our day. There you go. Try to try to do all that without ripping a trapezius or, uh, you know, a pectoral. Yeah, well, you know, well. Hey, hey, look, we, we try to lift, uh, smart as well as hard. So, but, um, the fitness aspect of it, you know, just overall, as we get older, obviously with, Kiefer doing what he does and me doing what I do. Like, you know, I, I'm not chasing down these young kids anymore. That's why God made V8s. And that's why I got these, these young recruits coming in. Exactly. Um, hey, new guy. It, it, right. Hey, new guy. FNG, <laughs> new boot. But the other piece to it as well is I'm looking, you know, we put all of this time into this job. And, you know, 20, 25, 30 plus years, right? I don't want to be that guy that drops dead you know, a year or two after retirement based off of some sort of health issue. And that seems to happen to police officers, correctional officers, and firefighters quite a bit. Yep. And my thing is this, I'm trying to make them pay all the money that they own for my pension. You know, I'm not, right. Work way too many years and work way too hard. 
yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get all of it done. Well, Jason, uh, this has been a great conversation. Uh, train Super like, Bowl prediction, train Super yeah. Bowl prediction. Who are the teams? You would ask me that. I would. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't really know. Crazy thing, I don't watch pro football, bro. What I want to see, what I want to see, mm-hmm. it's going to piss John off really bad. I want to, I want to see San Francisco and Miami. That's who I well, want to see. It's what's going to be interesting now. This is crazy now. It's crazy talk. I am here in the state of Michigan. I'm up here in the Mitten. The Lions are looking pretty good. I would I'm like a Lions. I would like to see the Lions as well. I'm not a Lions fan. I'm from Chicago originally, so you know, hopefully, you know, my Bears will get it together. But imagine Michigan wins the national championship, the Detroit Lions win the Super Bowl. This place would explode. Yes, oh, but wouldn't yeah. that make your job harder as a police officer? Could you imagine the fires that you're gonna have to be putting out after that? That hey, mitten look, that mitten would hey. break off <laughs> would break <laughs> off of the country. It would hey, be floating can- in the Great Lakes. Right, right. But, you know, again, that would be something, you know, pretty cool to witness. I don't know the last time where a collegiate team who had an NFL team both won the championship. I I can't remember either. Oh, yeah. So, of course, of course, you'd put go Cowboys up, fucker. And you know what? I've always been a Cowboys fan ever since I was a little kid. And the one reason why I was a huge Cowboys fan is the '90s with that offensive line that they had? Oh yeah, Aaron oh, they Williams, were, they were, they were Mark Twinay, yes, uh, they Larry were Allen, Stanowski. Sure. Yeah, yep, so. they were they were amazing, and they were the reason why the Cowboys were so dominant. I mean, that and your your fullback, and you have Emmett Smith. You know, so many people right. talk about the Cowboys' greatness being Troy Aikman. Drew Bledsoe had a statistically better season with the Cowboys than Troy Aikman ever did. It was it was that O line that was really getting it done for the Cowboys. And man, some of the sexiest big fellows I've ever seen just out I, there just that was so by. inspiring to me as a child to see uh, that that football really is a game for everyone, right? Like Will Cray, obviously. Maybe running back type material. I'm a, I've always been a big, big guy. And it's just like you see these guys who are out there playing O line, D line. And it's just like this is a sport for all takers. You look at these guys, and if you saw them on the street, you might mistake them for being unathletic or fat or whatever. But they're some of the world's finest athletes. And it's, it was always hugely inspiring to me to see all those guys out there, uh, you know, winning Super Bowls in the 90s, watching those big boys on the Cowboys O line. It was always hugely inspiring for me. Yeah, it was definitely a good time. So, but uh, yeah, man, um, I'm here for it. We'll see what happens, and uh, time will tell. Like I said, man, this is a book that we're reading that's currently still being written, and uh, we'll we'll see what the final chapter looks like. Yep, that's it's this this was this was awesome. This went. I mean, we didn't know exactly which direction this you know this interview conversation was going to go, but I love everywhere it went, and hopefully you will come back and then and, and be with us again. Hey, I definitely appreciate you guys bringing me on. And, you know, like they say, it's not about the destination, but the journey. So definitely enjoy my time with you guys. Uh, great show. And we'll definitely be honored to be asked back to be on. 
Appreciate I, I would, you, my man. We I would will. have you here every week. I really appreciated talking to you, and uh, you've got you've got a lot of uh, a lot of depth uh, beneath the surface there. And I would just well, there's I think I feel like there's a lot of things that we could be talking about about football and just the state of things in our world. And I, I appreciate the direction that you took this conversation because I think we we went on a, a really good path, other than just uh, talking about uh, stats and things like that, as as uh, I, I was maybe ready for. But I, I appreciate everything that you brought. And, and thank you for coming by here. We really appreciate you. Uh, not a problem. And uh, like I said, looking forward to working out with you guys again. And speaking of working out, no, but um, <laughs> you guys got a great you guys got a great platform here. And uh, again, just looking forward to chopping it up with you guys one more time. I will. Right, well, thank. I will so see you next month, my man. All right. Well, we will definitely be getting it in. Uh, Crave case and cheap beer. Yep, absolutely. That's the way the Warthogs do. WFFW. We're looking forward to it. Uh, we'll uh, we'll let you go, Train, and uh, we'll cover some some news because, like, actually, some things happening are happening in the world of football. We want to like be responsible to the fans and chase some of that down before we end the show. But thanks so much for stopping by, and we wish, we wish you a good evening. Take care, boys. Thanks again, brother. Have Love you, man. Bye. Be good. See you next month. See. You. Well, that was amazing, Jason. Uh, thank you for bringing him on the show. As I mentioned at the top of the show, there are some things going on in the world of football. I mean, Bill Belichick basically parting ways with the Patriots today. Darth sort of Maul. amazing. That Darth Maul is dead. End of an era. Yeah, for you, for you guys in the AFC, it's like uh, <laughs> you really have a, a whole new world there to look forward to. Uh, I wanted to talk about Arthur Smith and that last game with the Saints, but we've had so much movement too with the the head coaches on Black Monday. Pete Carroll, uh, holy shit! Pete, Pete Carroll being out, uh, Las Vegas being a place where some of these coaches could land. As I mentioned before, New England, Los Angeles, uh, Las Vegas, Carolina, Seattle, Tennessee, Washington, but not not college. Eberflus is or, or not Chicago. Col- uh, Eberflus is still in at the Bears, which is is just so weird to me, particularly in the light. Of it's Pete Carroll uh, stepping aside, but uh, let's let's get uh, Jake in here and let's talk a little bit about uh, his feelings with uh, going up against uh, the Steelers and yes. uh, also uh, winning the AFC East. I have to say, I, I'm a, I'm especially proud of the Bills. They had uh, one play, a special teams play, that uh, helped them to overcome an entire game of Josh Allen playing like a silly goose so get in here jake let's talk about <laughs> what went right and what went wrong for the bills congratulations to the afc east champions as i was saying to you even when we were on patreon doing the show on patreon earlier this season the cowboys and the bills had this like weird symmetry of like having setbacks and coming back and we started the season out with comparisons between Allen and prescott in terms of of turnovers which prescott eventually came out on top but just talking about how it feels to just talk about how it feels to uh, to to be AFC champions and to to beat your hated uh, foes in the Dolphins. Well, I've, yeah, I've got my uh, AFC championship hat on, so uh, one one of four now. Um, Congratulations! So, thank you. That feel, it feels we good. We don't wear the we don't wear the division championship hats in the NFCs because we get eyes on something bigger. Because <laughs> you don't you, you don't have any um, for uh, quite a while. Um, I was going to say, Will last, Cray, we, remind uh, you. you guys have dominated your good division for the last four years, but the, the, <laughs> la- the, the last time uh, the Bills had a division championship cap, it was made by starter. So don't even come on with me. <laughs> I was going to say, I was well, going to like, talk I about like Will, it Will Cray. Talks about. I know. 
I, I was going to say that Will Cray reminds me of uh, Cole Beasley because then we can both uh, talk about Cole Beasley because he's a uh, was a small, powerful ginger man. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, I don't know where all this hostility is coming with from uh, from John. You know, usually I try, try to be so week. nice to you. Yes, I know. I'll, <laughs> I just I'll got done Spart Spartan kicking some children and then uh, came home for this. I've been awake for like two days straight. So oh. um, <laughs> I did well, get, get it. Get on with it. Get on with the bills. Get on with the bills. The bills. Uh, the <laughs> it's going to be interesting playing uh, the Steelers after I think the last time we saw them was the preseason. Um, so that didn't go very well they weren't they weren't very well uh prepared for that game so uh obviously hoping things go better this time um we are favorited for for the game and yeah like you said rasul Doug, or uh Devant, deontay hardy um doing the 96 yard that's the longest punt return for the bills is what uh brought you know brought them back from that first half was not great but uh but still got away with the, the win. I mean, we didn't have to kick 17 uh, field goals to get there. And uh, <laughs> what does and, it matter? Uh, it just win. makes me laugh. And because, well, I, and I like the, the fact that uh, the Josh ended up with 44 touchdowns in the regular season. Um, well, so yeah, when you're afraid of throw, throwing an interception, you're definitely going to run. When you know that when you throw it down there, <laughs> someone on the other team is going to catch it, I guess you better run. I mean, that just makes sense. Oh. I just feel bad for the Bills of the future because at some point, this happens to every quarterback who makes his career out of scrambling. Whether you want to talk Michael Vick, you want to talk uh, – that who was that guy uh, who played for the Vikings back in the 70s? Anyway, they all get hurt. <laughs> and then what's going to happen once uh, he snaps his foot off and he, he's going to miss a whole season trying to rebuild his foot, putting pins in there. And he's he's never the scrambler that he was again. What's going to happen at that point? So I don't know why we're talking about he, that. He's going to play as badly as Dak Prescott. That's that's basically what you're saying the scenario is. So. Prescott does, is not running around, and he's not throwing interceptions either. He's throwing from the pocket like what he's getting paid to do. I love it. I love it when Mommy and Daddy fight. That's just so cool. <laughs> we should save. We should save our fighting really for a hard time. You're right. This isn't really right. the place to do this. I have no. no I want to be a part coming, of this. I why like am I coming at you with guns blazing? It makes no sense know. at all. I, have I don't know. Every you. everybody love everybody. All right, Mommy, so, Daddy, stop fighting. So outside of being a homer, I'm going to ask you, Jake Motherfucker Welder, Super Bowl. Who is it? Don't be a homer though. Let's be realistic. You can't say. You can't say Bills. I can't say Bills. I, I it, still it, think after uh, winning. I, hypothetically, winning if it's not the Bills, who would it be? Hypothetically. This is why I'd rather ask you because you can't say Bengals. So, like, you, your insight is, is, is I'll, I'll still say the Bengals. I'll still say the Bengals. <laughs> the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. Uh, well, what was the uh, what was the prediction? It's uh, 49ers and Ravens. That's yeah. That that's what the that's what that's the, the conspiracy uh, the colors the colors are saying. Yeah, that's what they're saying. I mean, that's that's a possibility. I just I hate when the 49ers win because there's a, this guy at uh, work that's very obnoxious about that. I get along actually with the guy that's a uh, Dolphins fan. Um, he's like, if anybody wins, he's like, and we're not doing well. He's like, I'm just glad it's the Bills. So it, it could be could be a lot worse. Um, if, but I mean, I'd like to see the bills play the Cowboys or, uh, the lions, 
I think something like that, like an old old school, um, hearkening back to the heyday of football, just not watching the same teams play over and over again. I think that would be that would be great to watch. But I, I could see where something like 49ers Ravens could be a possibility. They are the Ravens are playing really well. Yeah, I would. I, if that if that's the game this year, I'm, I might just skip it. Um, what did you think about Jameis Winston just becoming the the head coach of the of the Saints oh for the God. last play? <laughs> did you hear? Did you hear the hot mic as the coaches? What? No, as, I didn't. As the uh, coaches I, were, were approaching, and he was like, would, "What the fuck are you doing?" I would I would love to <laughs> to play this. Unfortunately, every time I I play video from NFL games we get demonetized but basically at the end of the game uh you had the head, shit for free fuck you you had the head coach of the Saints Dennis Allen and the the head coach of the Falcons uh Arthur Smith they came out met in the middle for the traditional handshake and Arthur Smith was all in full tantrum baby mode he goes what the hell was that what the fuck was that and uh Allen was like like 30 yards what? away you could see it <laughs> And uh, yes, and Alan was like, I could understand why you're mad, meaning he had just had no balls about it at all. But here's what happened is that, um, and Kiefer, correct me anywhere I'm wrong, but the Saints got an interception. They uh, had it very near. They were in a first and goal situation. All they had to do was kneel out. Clock, game would be over. They, the, the Saints were way ahead in number of points. And uh, so Dennis Allen tells uh, James Winston. Yeah, it, was, it, go. it was like 41-17 at the time. Yeah, he tells him, go just kneel out the rest of the game so the game's over and he, he goes okay coach and then they go out there and they decide like well you know what's going to touch down instead so they line up in victory formation the, the the falcons are basically in surrender you know formation and uh the saints decided to just uh as they decided as a team that they were going to go out there and get a touchdown and of course uh, arthur smith is one of the last uh, acts of him being the coach of the falcons was to have a, a defiant and angry moment of him lashing out as a baby uh Allen, uh, sort of being inept, but Jameis Winston, you should uh, look up his interview where he says, basically, we decided as a team we were going to do this. And yeah, pr- and, uh, pretty much told the coach, fuck off, we're doing this. Anyway. And the, the last play of the game, he became a better coach of the Saints than Dennis Allison was perhaps all year. So I'd, I just wondered if you'd seen that. I'd be, I'd no, be curious. I, to, I'd be curious to see though, because uh, I, uh, I believe they handed it off and and he ran it in for that touchdown to make it forty-seven to seventeen. Yeah, and. and I'd be curious to see if if he needed one more touchdown to get his bonus. Uh, I I think that's what it that's what it was. It was specifically for that running back that ran it in. Uh, I, I think he got a bonus. The, I think he got a bonus for getting one more touchdown. Yeah, it's the one that uh, I think he played for the Lions last year, and he's the one that doesn't know what Benyetis are. Is that the guy? Ben he uh, broke. He broke. Well, he said he called him Benyetis, but uh, he broke Barry Sanders' single season rushing le- record with the with the uh, Lions last year. But it was, I figured it had to be something like that when I first saw it. Cause I mean, at the end of the game, at, like I said, as they're approaching sideline to sideline, like 30 yards away, you see him going, what the fuck? And, and the Saints, the Saints coach is like, uh, fuck, I don't know. I don't know what happened exactly. But yeah, I, I, Jamal, I guarantee you somebody got a bonus. Yeah. I, they said they did it specifically for Jamal Williams. They said they knew how much it meant to him. Jamal Williams. And, uh, yeah, so so they just decided, well, we're just we're going to go out there and do it. They're just going to di- completely disregard the coach and go out there and do it. And it was just kind of a fun moment for football, and it upset uh, it upset Arthur Smith, who, frankly, in my opinion, deserves to be upset, uh, the, especially after the way that he he treated uh, Desmond Ritter by benching him at one point. 
uh, you know, which is a serious setback for a rookie quarterback. University and, of Cincinnati uh, grad, by the way. Just yes, and all, all, all for no reason, of course, because the Saints season, you know, was, <laughs> you know, was never going to be anything. So I thought that was interesting. The only other thing that we, uh, we are, you know, kind of running long tonight, but uh, Kiefer, I know that you wanted to talk about this. You kept calling me every day of this week. Uh, talking about Stephanie Niles, Jake Brunning's girlfriend, who's objectively better than Taylor Swift. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Do you, do you not think so? I mean, even just from that picture alone, do you not think so? I hate Taylor Swift. I call her Twaylor Swift. She's an idiot. She sabotaged the, the Chiefs season with, with her love for Travis Kelsey. But the full-length view of that bodysuit that she's wearing, so much better than Taylor Swift. Holy right, shit. There was, there's not enough room in a square to show all of that. But I, I thought you were saying she was objectively better because of her personality. So, no, you know, I no, definitely I not. Know. All looks. All looks. It's all looks. Okay. Um, well, okay. nice to know that you don't have a, a serious take there. But I guess so, she's a fairly interesting person. She's uh, I don't she understand. Sort of interview in, in which she was uh, had, has a very sparkling personality, I guess. <laughs> I don't understand how you don't see you don't see the difference. Well, did did you? Uh, what do you think of the conspiracy theory that uh, Taylor Swift is has always been historically a filthy Eagles fan, and that well, she's I, I, now involved with uh, the Kansas City just to ruin their organization? I, I know completely we're agree. I agree. With the I agree tracks. with the conspiracy theory, though. Okay. That tracks. But if but if you want but if you want if you want a skinny ditzy beanpole versus a curvy white bodysuit, then you can have the beanpole. Go ahead. You can have we your Taylor John, and either two. John likes the the spandex pants, matching uniforms. He's into that sort of thing. So even though he's trying to be uh, quiet on this one, we all know where he falls. <laughs> I don't. I don't like anything. Joe, Joe Billy, Joe Billy said, "Well, our future brother-in-law plays for the Eagles, so that's fair." <laughs> Which Joe Billy may or may not be upstairs right now, Jake. Yeah, in case you didn't know, folks, we have a lot I to break you're... down in terms of news. I think none of us are focused. Uh, we have got to talk about the movement of the head coaches. We've got to talk about these important stories. I can't believe this. We're running out of time. We're not going to talk about the Dolphins going back to face the Chiefs or McCarthy facing his old team. Uh, and what's the other one? The other big, the other big story. Oh, what the fuck? What the fuck else you sent me? Well, like the there, in the playoff matchups, it's not the Browns and the Texans. It's not the Steelers and the Bills. It's not the Eagles and the Bucks. Oh, how could I forget? It's definitely course, not the Rams. It's the not Rams. the Rams. No, the Rams and the and, and the Lions. So. For for many years, I'm I'm sorry, folks. I'm tired. I've been dispatching all day. For many years, Matthew Stafford was the reason why the Lions never went to the Super Bowl. Will he be the reason the Lions do not go to the Super Bowl again? <laughs> Only time will tell. As uh, Goff and Stafford face off uh, at Ford Field this weekend, Tyreek Hill, like we said, he's going. He's going to go home to Kansas City to play the the coldest game of his life this weekend. And uh, McCarthy facing uh, the the Packers. I guess I'll say this since no one asked my opinion on anything at all this week. But uh, the Packers uh, definitely uh, have kind of a specter that they cast over uh, the Cowboys. I think I, I would have been. Uh, I, I almost. I have to ask myself if I would have been happier going on the road and, and playing in Tampa Bay, just because Tampa Bay seems like an easy team to beat. But I feel like the Cowboys are, are pretty well set up this year. 
uh, in terms of uh, the way that the bracket had a lot. Out. Of, they've had a lot of teams under five hundred. So yeah, <laughs> nicely. Played. Where's the button that makes you really small? Drew used to do that to me, and I don't remember where that button is. There it is. There. Oh damn it! I'm small. Now you're small. <laughs> I'm I'm still bigger. Now you're than you now you're disappeared. That's okay. Any, anyway, uh, you will not be allowed to get in your uh, digs anymore uh, for no reason. Uh, folks, I'm, I'm tired. I got to go to bed. Kiefer, do you have anything else? No, no, I'm good. I we, we will have to hit probably next week at least the uh, the Air Rogers, Pat McAfee, uh, Jimmy Kimmel I issue. I know. By the way, I don't know. If we had a guest. Time. We had a guest today, and we were live, so it we worked out. Yes, yes, and, and of course, our our special thanks to uh, uh, Train for being on the show. That was amazing. But you've got some ad reads you got to read, don't you? Ah. Yes, thank you, Keith. You saved the whole business. I You're welcome, it. buddy. Folks, this show is brought to you by GhostBed. We appreciate GhostBed. Go over to GhostBed.com. Use the offer code WOLFPACK. You can save up to 40% on anything you find there. With 0% down, 0% financing, even somebody who plays for the Buffalo Bills could probably go get a uh, a wonderful GhostBed. We appreciate them because they support law enforcement. They support firefighters, correctional officers, dispatchers, everybody that uh, is in the Wolfpack. If you will like failure to stop, and you're going to like GhostBed, go over there, use the offer code, let them know that you are still here, you're still listening, you're still supporting us so that they continue to support us in 2024. As I said before, I do not want to be a slave. Also, Factor Meals, folks, are you someone that eats? Then you should be eating Factor Meals. Go over to, to Factor Meals, check out their menu. They've got over 300 options. They can have that delivered right to your door. You don't have to go out and face any more insanity. The, the driving, the bad weather, the darkness, the, the cost of gas, even though it's coming down, it's still expensive. Don't brainwash yourself into thinking the gas is cheap. Go get meals delivered right to your house, uh, especially if you are trying to get in shape like Will Cray. Uh, one of the major ways you can do that is through meal planning. I know that Will Cray is out there uh, measuring uh, how many grams of protein he's getting a day in a scale. This is something that Factory Meals could help you with because you're not just eating on a whim, right? Like you're not just uh, deciding when you're hungry to wander into the kitchen and eat a bag of chips. You can all set it all out for yourself. Delicious, nutritious meals. Wolfpack 50 is the code that you can use to save money when you go over there, 50% to start. But also let Factor Meals know that you're supporting Failure to Stop. We really appreciate that. And Keith, thanks for reminding me. If I had not read those, uh, I don't know what would have happened to me, but it would, but it would have been bad. But we've got we've got so much more to break down in football. I almost like want to like come back and do a special episode tomorrow or something, just because there's so much to talk about going into the playoffs. I'm, uh, I'm available, so let me know. But I need your I maybe need your... we will. We could call an audible and just do it if we want to do it. If Jameis Winston could just score audible. score a touchdown, I don't have um, to talk to um, Eric Danzi um, about doing a bonus episode. I need your Super Bowl picks, though. You didn't give me yours. I mean, obviously, I know the one. Cowboys, Ravens, Cowboys come out on top, thirty-one twenty-seven. Oh shit. Dak right. Prescott wins the MVP. The, uh, the the Ravens uh, will, in shame, return to Cleveland, and they will have to duel the Browns for which team will will take over in Cleveland. Keith, who are you going for? Which team do you want to see win? Now that the now that the the Bengals are out of it, like you know, to to keep yourself invested, like who's your your go to team? I would assume it would be an NFC team. I mean, if I I mean if I'm going to stay in in my conference, I'm going to go Ravens. Why would you? But, but... why would you? Why would you stay in your conference? You rooting I, for the Ravens is like you're rooting I wanted, for the Eagles. I would rather I die. I want to see the Lions. I want to see the Lions. Dan Campbell has done a great job. I want to see the Lions do it. Sorry. Yeah, cry cry your way all the way to a championship, Dan. I said it. Just kidding, I said I love it. You. I said it. And I'm not <laughs> taking it back. <laughs> uh, if if the Lions win now, I, w- I want to see you uh, converting over. I want to see you wearing Honolulu blue next fall. All right, you got it. 
yeah, yeah, it's an easy bet. Also, uh, just wanted to, to be the first one. Uh, it's kind of weird that we're doing this at this point. Uh, we've only got a few viewers left. We'll, we'll sign up here. But I just wanted to pass along my condolences to all the fans over at uh, One More and I'm Out of Here uh, about the untimely passing of, uh, of our friend Rob Herking, who passed away today at the, at the uh, young age of 59. So uh, uh, all apologies to to the to the family of rob herking we know that you're we know that the family's in a better place now that rob is gone and uh <laughs> but unfortunately you know you and dan are, are not in a better place because uh rob was the one with the keys to the varsity so uh <laughs> you're gonna have to pack up in uh, every, every game's a road game from now on but just wanted to just wanted to say our condolences uh, to poor old rob herking and uh you know may you lie fitfully and, and i'm throwing i'm throwing an asterisk rob is not dead but rob is in the hospital well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And fun fact, Rob did not have a key to the varsity, but I did. <laughs> Even though he was there way more than I was. But uh yeah, Rob uh Rob had some uh some medical issues yesterday, so we're we're working through that. He's on the mend, he's doing better. Uh, I got a text while we were podcasting from his wife. Things are looking up and, and better. I mean he's not by any means dying, so don't listen to John. I just hope that they can preserve his organs. All right, folks, thanks so much for watching. Nobody, this nobody wants them, trust me. Special extra length episode. Uh, Jake, in all sincerity, sorry that we couldn't talk to you more because uh, I'm a fan of you, even if uh, not especially the Bills. Uh, where where can they find you, Jake? I'm Jake Motherfucker Welder on Instagram, all one word for the longest username of all time. Uh, <laughs> I also have on there. Um, our Spotify, our uh, Google, and uh, what's the other one? Yahoo. Amazon Music. Um, Amazon Music, all that on there. Um, our old, He's the host uh, of Hard Time. That's the thing he's failing to mention. Uh, Kiefer, uh, you're on one more and I'm out of here. Let's go ahead and uh, call it a night, boys. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to the Wolfpack. We appreciate you. Thanks, Ghostbed. Uh, leave a five-star rating and review. Do all the podcast things you're supposed to do. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate Guns it. Guns up, giddy up. Possibly talk to you soon just because I want to talk more about those playoffs, but got some good April. See you next week. Good night.